0: What's up, ego hackers? It's CS Joseph with CS Joseph Life doing another episode for season 17. This is going to be my second take uh, for this particular episode. Uh, reason being, uh, the sound was screwed. I accidentally stepped on my microphone, and uh, it's a bit of an expensive piece of equipment. So I have my backup microphone not as high quality uh hopefully it does the job so let me know in the comments if uh, you think this microphone's okay or if i need to switch back to my other one i ordered a replacement so we'll see how that goes uh but anyway um this particular lecture uh we are going to be talking about the path to enlightenment if you want to understand what it is to become enlightened or integrated or become a better view, and how to unlock the angelic power of the superego and get it away from the demonic power of the superego, then this is the episode for you. And uh, season 17, episode five, what is the superego and its gateway, basically? And the gateway function for it is the demon function. Uh, For this particular episode, uh, we're also doing a book giveaway. Uh, The book is John Milton's Paradise Lost in plain English. Um, is the uh, giveaway, and uh, it will be. Um, I believe um, uh, it's it's pretty awesome. Uh, it was life changing book for myself, and uh, it also is the basis of this particular lecture. Uh, kind of interesting, like not having a cord attached to me and whatnot. So I got a little bit more mobile freedom than I'm like used to. So it's pretty awesome. Maybe I'll just like have a little bit more, uh, you know, wand dancing as uh, as I normally do. So. Who knows how it goes? I mean, Elder Wand and Hand and everything. So anyway, let's just get down to the lecture. I don't wanna have like any of those 15 minute uh, introductions that I'm used to. So the path to enlightenment. What is the superego? The superego, while um, the unconscious is very mysterious uh, in terms of the the four sides of the mind, as we had last talked about in our last episode, which is uh, season 17, episode four, the super ego, I would say, is definitely uh, the most misunderstood. It's also the least talked about. Uh, I mean, if you think about it, the four sides of the mind as a theory, you know, the four sides theory of uh, Jungian analytical psychology or typologists we know it. I mean, it's a very, it's a new theory. It's a, it's a theory that just hasn't been around. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, when, 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 I, when I first developed it, uh, you know, back in the day, it, it really had a different, uh, a different approach. It's kind of evolved, you know, over the years, but you know, like I said, it, you know, it comes from like, uh, you know, pieces taken from, uh, from Freud, pieces taken from Jung, and various other uh, psychologists, uh, you know, throughout, and just kind of put together this comprehensive framework. And the superego itself, A lot of people don't understand the superego, where it comes from, what it does, what it even means. And um, I think the most uh, in-depth I get about the superego is what is the cognitive attitude of the demon function, which is season 16, episode eight. So you can basically think of this episode as like the continuation of what was talked about in season 16, episode eight. Uh, This is kind of like part two and part three, I guess, of that particular lecture. If that lecture is part one, And by the way, this outline is freaking long. Uh, There's a chance I might actually get to two hours with this lecture and there may be like part one and two because the superego is so not covered uh, by the uh, psychological community that uh, I think it definitely needs its day in court. So this is definitely going to be its day in court. A lot of people maintain the superego is worthless, useless, why do we even bother trying to develop? What's its, what's its purpose? Why is it even here? Is it just where uh, people's evil comes from? Is there anything we could do about it? Is there any advantage to having it, et cetera? And I think, I think that because it's so misunderstood, people can't uh, realize you know, just how important it is. I had talked a long time ago about, uh, you know, I dropped a few bombs here and there, about God functions and and whatnot, but uh, before anyone can even before we can even begin talking about God functions and what that even means, we need to start talking about angelic functions and uh, and what that is. Well, what is an angelic function? An angelic function is basically a demonic function, a demon function, uh, turned into an angelic function. Uh, the demonic force within the mind being turned into an angelic force, and that's done through developing one's superego by using a, uh, an orderly transition instead sort of a chaotic transition uh, via an axis activation or an orbit activation into the mind. Now, wait a minute, Mr. C.S. Joseph, that's like a lot of like word soup there that I don't even really know. Don't worry, folks, we're actually gonna be releasing a book in the very near future that helps actually take all this terminology, put it all in one place so that you can like understand it and we're actively working on this book right now if you would like to make it come out faster uh by all means please uh, assist us uh by becoming a patron and financially contributing to this uh to this movement because uh that will make that book come out faster and then uh, we could definitely you know have it uh, available etc uh we um it's halfway done uh and it is coming and it has all this information compiled in one place, kind of like a compendium. It's like the compendium, uh, companion, I guess, uh, companion book to all these lectures and everything here. So you can understand each of these uh, components of psychology uh, and moving forward, etc. cetera. Uh, and of course the superego is definitely represented, but you'll learn about cognitive access activation, and cognitive orbit activation, and all these different pathways, these neural pathways within uh, our souls themselves uh, to help uh, understand exactly how our brains work, you know, because you have positive energy charge and uh, negative energy charge within there in each of the gateways. This is something I haven't really talked about very much. It's like pretty cutting edge, right? Um, I'm actually going to be talking a little bit more in depth about uh, uh, chaotic versus orderly uh, activations uh, later, but I'll be slightly touching it on this lecture uh, when we get uh, get to that point in terms of the gateway functions. Probably might actually talk about it a little bit more in the next lecture just to make sure it's really fleshed out. Uh, so, but more on that later. I'll actually be touching on it in this, in this lecture. So anyway, it, it's, it's no secret that, you know, the four sides of the mind, we have the ego, we have the uh, subconscious, we have the unconscious, and we have the superego, each of the four sides of the mind, one, two, three, four, et cetera and they all have this primary, secondary yin and yang dominant recessive relationship all the way through In as much as the cognitive functions do as well. This is how uh, our minds are structured, each of our souls and each of our souls represents 16 uh, human natures all the way across the board. Our typology is our nature, although how we live our lives and express ourselves through our typology, through our nature is equals our nurture, right? And nurture and nature ends up having its own yin and yang dominant recessive uh, relationship equilibrium in of its own self. That's really complicated, but it's actually how it works. Um, Just understand though, like, when it comes to superego specifically, you have to know where it is in relation to the other, uh, to really understand it, you have to know where it is in in relation to the other sides of the mind. And at the top of the side, uh, at the first, uh, at the apex of our minds is our ego. And remember, the ego's purpose is bringing order to chaos in total. That's what it is. Uh, whereas the subconscious is where a person is able to seek happiness, and they gain happiness as a result of conquering their insecurity, which could either lead to pride, or if they, or they conquer their insecurity and gain security as a result of faith then they can gain humility and humility is necessary to achieve happiness as the final result of the subconscious. But the final product of the subconscious is ultimately humility, right? Uh, Then we have the unconscious side of the mind, the unconscious, AKA the shadow, uh, the unconscious uh, side of the mind is where a person is ignorant and they have a lot of suffering in their life and obstacles in their life and that ignorance gets in their way and they're basically fighting this constant battle against ignorance so that they are forced to gain knowledge as a result of being ignorant so that they can have the final product, which is wisdom, ultimately. Wisdom that comes through the cre- developing of the critic function as much as the person's re- sense of responsibility is developed through the parent function uh, of the ego, etc. Well, guess what? We have something similar going on for, um, uh, for the unconscious side of the mind and that's like the development of the critic, basically, and that critic, with that critic development, it comes wisdom. So wisdom is the final product of the, um, of the unconscious. So if the ego's final product is order, the uh, final product of the subconscious is humility, and the final product of the unconscious is wisdom, what's next, what's then? Well, we gotta go to the superego, of course. How do we, how do we go to the superego? What's the superego all about? Where, where does the, what is the, why is it useful? What, how do we get there? Why do we need to do it? But here's the thing, think about it this way. If we're going to be developing our superegos, basically, if we're going to be really developing our superego, how are we going to achieve this? I talk about how, you know, the superego, and I mean, we have a superego up here. Uh, here's an ESFP mind, here's the ego, the uh, subconscious, the unconscious, the superego the super, uh, super egos where a person's like absolute power is definitely, you know, located within their brains. And uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And see the thing is, is if you're the ego up here and you go directly under the super ego, it's the equivalent of doing a deal with the devil. You're gonna get completely screwed, right? So while you have order, while you have humility, while you have uh, wisdom, okay, Then you go to the superego after conquering all these other sides of the mind. Well, then all of a sudden the superego is not so superfluous anymore. It's not so demonic anymore. It can actually be turned into an angelic force because instead of doing the quick way, the expedient way, you went to the meaningful way. And because you spent all the time doing the meaningful thing, then you are at last able to conquer your superego, control your superego develop your superego and then utilize your superego as a force for good Instead of using it a force for evil, which is the default. Why? Because just like Dumbledore said a time a time will come when people need to make the decision between Doing what is right versus doing what is easy and when you take the easy route it's literally your ego going directly to the superego, which turns into a very destructive force and then the entire world explodes while you're at it. Yeah, don't wanna do that. You know what I'm saying? It's kinda like, uh, I don't know, everything going wrong with the world happening all at once. Not exactly the best thing, right? So this continues to be an issue for for the human race. This is a a huge problem for the human race because what the superego itself, it's innately demonic. It's innately evil. It provides, it's like this parasite that's attached to our souls, and it's latched on basically, and it's corrupting. It's got little itty bitty tendrils going all around trying to get to the ego, right? And it's trying to turn the ego evil. Actually beyond that, it's tendrils of evil are corrupting the rest of the soul such that it's grabbing hold of the ego and pulling itself to the ego so that it, you know, Ego shifts, ego shifts with the ego and it basically effectively flips and replaces the ego. And then we have this outcome here, where the demon or the superego becomes the ego of the soul. And that's ultimately the superego's goal. The goal of the superego, the goal of the demon is basically to ultimately replace the ego. And instead of being a source of order like the uh, ego is, it becomes a source of chaos, right? Um, so look at it this way. The ego is responsible for being the source of order and then the subconscious is there to execute that order and in humility, et cetera. The unconscious, you know, it, it's, it's the executor of chaos and the source of chaos ultimately would be the, the superego. Um, and, uh, and, that's, and that's basically kind of where it is these these other opposing ends of this yin and yang equilibrium, with basically how the universe works, etc. Because that equilibrium is like in everything. It's like a consistent arabesque, and more about arabesque later. We're actually gonna dive into what arabesque actually means, uh, at least in terms of our minds, etc. And how that symbol is very necessary for like eternity, etc. But the point is, is that the super ego is responsible for the human condition. Martin Luther, uh, the father of the Protestant Church, and Disclaimer here. I don't care about church. I don't care about Christianity. I don't care about selling you on religion. You guys, I mean, honestly, you guys can be atheist. You guys can be Muslim, you can be Mormon. I really don't care. It makes no difference to me. I have my own personal belief system, my own spiritual beliefs. I'm not here to like sell you on them. I'm not here to push them on you. I could care less. I just hope you allow me the freedom to practice my own faith or my own belief system in as much as I would allow you to practice your own faith and your own belief system, because God knows I'm going to defend your right to do so because that's what this country is all about. But apparently, you know, that is not necessarily a thing everywhere. And I understand that, but let's be honest, folks. How about we have mutual respect for our neighbor and love our neighbors ourselves instead of like, you know, being douchebags about it all the time. Like that would be nice, but probably because of the superego. Because that's what the superego does, folks. It corrupts all of humanity. The human condition is everywhere. You hear people talk about the human condition. That's basically, uh, I don't know, uh, what the church calls secular speak for uh, sin nature. You know? And sin nature is what the church would call it. Sin nature being uh, human- humanity's propensity to be corrupt and, 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 and perform evil acts. And it's because the superego latching in onto the soul like a parasite and sucking, uh, putting so much pressure on the ego that it wants to switch the ego. Martin Luther, the father of Protestant church says, the, the, the sin nature is defined by the self bending in upon the self basically, and then they replace each other and then you have an ego shift that leads to Uh, a very dangerous superego situation. Um, There's plenty of examples of that and I always talk about the Heath Ledger portrayal of the Joker is an example of an ENTP stuck in their superego as a result of ego shifting. That's basically what happens. It's a great portrayal of it. Um, There are some other examples as well. Uh, For example, uh, like um, uh, Darth Vader is another example uh, of him ego shifting. Uh, into ENFP uh, superego and executing it through the lawful evil of ISTJ Shadow, for example, because he's an ESTP uh, ego. Okay, yeah, that's my opinion, I get it, but trust me, like, on that one, or you don't have to, whatever. Um, Anakin Skywalker, I maintain, is an ESTP, and, uh, uh, you know, and then Darth Vader is more of, like, this ISTJ-ish shifting between ENFP superego and ISTJ, uh, Uh, unconscious and then going back into ESTP mode, every child activates to save his son from being killed, but also makes sense that they're like polar opposites because the son Luke Skywalker is an INFJ and he himself is an ESTP, super high camaraderie there. The camaraderie leads to like this negative relationship between the two, which ultimately teaches the other huge lessons that saves both of the other person. So just kind of think about that, you know. So anyway, based on that, the self bending in on the self, this causes humanity to become corrupted over time. This causes a lot of strife, pain, anguish. This is like, okay, we have nuclear power, but because of the superego, now we have nuclear weapons. When knowledge or wisdom is uncontained, it can create basically a mass catastrophic failure or loss of life on uh, global proportions. That's the power of the superego. It's extremely powerful. The demon is extremely powerful. And it can literally make anything happen. Literally, it has the power to make everything, anything happen. And unless uh, and the thing about mankind, mankind has limitless potential. I don't know why people think that they're so limited, but in reality, uh, people need to start viewing mankind as completely unlimited. Mankind is unlimited. It, it, that's a fact, folks. That, that That is a total fact. Mankind is completely unlimited. Uh, I mean, Genesis chapter 11, verse six says that, if it's one people who speak the same language, if they can accomplish all of this, then nothing that they set out to do will be impossible for them. Anything is possible with mankind. Uh, So be aware, they just have to be united and have the same motive and speak the same language and nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. And according to the book of Genesis, God said that. So we might wanna listen to that. So anyway, so, why, so how do we solve this problem? Well, we solve this problem by, you know, gaining enlightenment or integration. Cognitive integration, uh, as I've talked about before, is basically when you finally have inner peace with all sides of your mind. Buddhists talk about like not having a care in the world, which is like they, they make this cremation of care argument uh, that, you know, something that you'd, some crazy dance you'd probably find at the Bohemian Club or something like that you know, talking about the cremation of care. The cremation of care is like, oh, we're we're suffering so horribly, so how about we just stop caring and then we won't be suffering anymore, which is basically a huge cop-out and an excuse and actually a very demonic point of view. I mean, think about it. If you're a bunch of angels cast out of heaven and exiled in heaven, and you were put into like this fiery prison for all of eternity and everything was absolutely miserable there, uh, you know, maybe if you could just turn off, you know, whether or not you actually care about that or not, maybe your suffering wouldn't be so bad, right? So I guess that, 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 uh, that song or that chant or whatever they call it, the cremation of care, I guess it would make sense from that point of view from the superego. And uh, yeah, well, that doesn't exactly lead to enlightenment or integration, it leads to ignorance, actually. Uh, because how about taking responsibility for your actions? You know, I would wager taking responsibility for one's actions may actually lead to enlightenment or integration instead of actually having the ultimate excuse, AKA cop out and focus on not caring about anything at all. Hashtag no attachments, right? See, this is where I absolutely fundamentally disagree with the Buddhists because I don't like, or or even Jedi tradition from Star Wars, attachment leads to all these problems. I actually have to, uh, I have to argue that attachment is actually a very good thing. Um, now this is where all the people would be like, ah, you need to read that book Attachment where it talks about attachment styles. You have secure attachment style, or anxious attachment style, or, uh, or avoidant attachment style, all these different attachment styles, et cetera. Okay, yes, definitely research attachment styles, but that's not the context with which I'm speaking. Um, having attachments like relationships with other people is super important because let me tell you something folks, when you die, there's the there's only one thing you can take with you and that is your relationships with other people. So I suggest you go out of your way investing in relationships with other people and becoming a better version of you and reaching integration and reaching enlightenment as we are defining it today and not necessarily in enlightenment or nirvana as defined by the Hindus or the Buddhists or any ism out there because that's not really what life is all about. It just really isn't. Life is not about what is a good or bad thing. Life is not about what is a true or false thing. Life is about what is a wise thing and what is not, right? So let's shed our ignorance, focus on what is wise and do it in humility because here's the thing. If we're trying to develop our superego, think about it. Uh, Let's actually, uh, let's use, let's use blue here. If you think about it we have um, have humility okay and we have wisdom right here and we have order okay and then here we have the meaningful or the angelic right we're trying to unlock this in angelic okay so why why do we care why do we care about it being angelic well I mean in the same way it's a nemesis function which is the gateway to the unconscious it's a nemesis it's a villain but we could turn it into an ally, right? Or the same way we have the gateway into the subconscious, known as the inferior function, we could turn it into an aspirational function. Well, the gateway into the uh, superego is known as the demon function. And the demon function, it can be turned into angelic, right? So, why would we want to turn that into angelic? Well, it's kind of hard to make it, to not have it just go demonic, you know, straight away, because it will we go demonic if we just go straight from the order, you know, and try to force the demon against its will to do something with the order provided by the superego or by the ego. How many times have people written in literature and history? I mean, even the apostle Paul does this. You know, I can't just order myself to do what I want it to do. That's just not how it works, right? I think that's actually, uh, I think uh, Ray Dalio said that in his books, uh, in his book uh, Principles, I think that was also Uh, mentioned in the laws of human nature by Robert Greene. Don't quote me on that, I need to verify that. Um, uh, I think that may have also been mentioned in the 50th law by Robert Greene. And there's another book that I read recently where they're talking about that. Uh, Maybe it's Mastery by Robert Greene, I'm not sure. But the bottom line is, you can't just order yourself to do something, even you are going to not do what you do in that regard. See the thing is is that, The demon needs to be humiliated. The demon needs to succumb to wisdom before it has enough respect to listen to what the ego is trying to say to it. You see what I'm saying? Why does the demon have any respect for what the ego says? The demon sees the ego as something that is not worthy of its respect. It sees it as unwise. It sees it as immature. It sees it as lacking humility. It sees it as prideful. The demon absolutely harbors Hatred for the ego. See, that's a problem. Huge amounts of hatred for the ego. And because the demon thinks that, the superego thinks that the ego itself uh, is a problem. That the, the demon thinks that the hero is a waste of time. The demon's like, I'm more strong, I'm more powerful than the hero. The hero like is weak. The hero is like, come on, I'm, I'm the master of the underworld here. Why do I have to care what the hero has to say? How can the hero have anything to benefit me? Why should I serve the whims of the hero? Why should I serve the whims of the ego? Why should I have anything to do with that? So subsequently, the superego has this absolute disdain for the ego, right? Well, that's a problem. That's that's a huge problem. How how are we going to get away from this? How is this going to happen? So as a result of that, if you're trying to exert order or exert control over your superego, you will fail. Because guess what folks, that's the expedient route. You're using that order to try to control the superego. You think you can catch the, the devil in a deal? You think you can catch him, catch him in the fine print with the, with the contract there? Yeah, no, see, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen at all, right? You're going to lose. It's like, oh yeah, Mr. Devil, I'm gonna make a really big deal for you. You're gonna bring me the most beautiful woman in the entire world and she will become my wife. Straight up and the devil's like, oh yeah, sure. We can make that deal. I will definitely do that for you. But in exchange, you must give me your manhood, right? Or as Paul would say, or maybe, um, or as or as Jesus would say, I think Jesus said it, is like, uh, what profits a man if he gains the entire world but loses his soul, right? What profits a man, you know? And, and that's, that's really important because like from an ENTP standpoint, it's funny because we have the power to gain the world, but we don't have the power to keep it. You see what I'm saying? So there's like, there's a lot of interesting uh, uh, innuendos or symbology uh, attached to that. Uh, subliminal messages, will say, that we're just not really aware of. And that's just one example why, because The superego again hates the ego and it has no respect for it. So if the ego tries to go after the superego right away, it's just gonna turn into catastrophe. And this is where we continually have that destructive demonic nature, that sin nature coming out of our souls and literally wiping out everything and destroying things, destroying relationships, destroying our lives, causing us to do bad things. And it's also what causes bad things to happen to good people and all those types of things, right? Bad things don't just happen to bad people. Right? So you gotta look at it in, that, in, that, in those terms from that, from that point of view, right? Well, here's the thing. It's also not good enough for the, uh, the superego to even respect the ego because it's like, oh, okay, you're coming at me with order. Okay, sure, fine. You're coming at me with wisdom. Okay, sure, fine. But you're not humble about it. You're being prideful. You lack humility. You didn't develop your subconscious. You lack humility which means you're prideful, so I still have no respect for you, so I'm still gonna take you out, or vice versa, you know? Oh, you have order, oh, and you have uh, you have humility, you're really happy in your life, huh? Wow, that's really, you're really good securing yourself, huh? Yeah, but you're an idiot, you're ignorant, you don't actually know anything, you are not wise enough, so why should I respect you, ego? Why should I respect you, hero function, why? because you're lacking in humility. You got all the wisdom in the world, but you're so prideful about it. Or you have all the humility in the world, but you are so unwise. How how could I self-respecting superego have want to have anything to do with the ego? Why would I want to be friends with the ego? Why why would I want to be integrated into the rest of your mind and let you use my awesome, amazing, super high power? and let you have my power. Why? When you've demonstrated to me that you're unwise, you lack humility, you're completely chaotic, and because of that, I'm just gonna mirror what you're doing. I'm just gonna be chaotic too. Kind of interesting how STP, NFJ, Quadra, they're mirrors, right? Especially INFJs, they're just gonna mirror everything back to you. And if the superego sees that the rest of these things are not in order, wait a minute, The ego sets the order right. And if any of these things, if any of these bases aren't covered, the superego's not even remotely interested. So what does it benefit the superego? Remember, the superego is all about evil. What is evil? Spoiled goodness. Let me tell you. If I am going to go to the cookie jar, and don't get me wrong, I love me some cookies. It's like life rule number 17, according to my father, beware of women bearing chocolate chip cookies. That's a fact, let's be straight. Because if a woman shows up with freshly baked chocolate chip cookies and she's offering them to you, you gotta be like, wait a minute, what does she want from me, you know? It's a covert contract, right? That's why we have life rule 17, beware of women bearing chocolate chip cookies because those chocolate chip cookies, they're gonna get you. What are you gonna do? Like, like seriously, what are you gonna do in that situation? It's covert contract. So the superego is like, oh, okay, you're covert contracting me, right? That's not gonna work, okay? So how do you get the superego to a point to let go of its demonic nature and allow you to use its angelic power for the sake of the rest of the mind? It has to come to a point where it loves and respects the ego. The only way that is, is if you have full development the side of the other sides of mind. The ego needs to develop its parent function so that it has a sense of responsibility, A.K.A. order. The unconscious needs to develop its critic function so that it has. Because remember, when you're developing yourselves, uh, when you're developing your functions, not including gateways. This is not including gateways. To finish the development of a side of your mind, you have to develop the second function, the auxiliary function per side of the mind. And for the ego, that's the parent. The parent function is the last function to actually develop. That is not a gateway, okay? Because the hero, you're given that first and then your child comes. This is why people can hero child immature loops because the parent function isn't there to have a sense of responsibility to keep the child in check, right? So the parent function, when it develops its sense of responsibility, its sense of maturity, its sense of order, then okay, then the superego starts to respect a little bit more the ego, but it's still not it's still not all the way there, right? And it's the same thing with the uh, with the unconscious. You know, it's critic function. Okay, you got wisdom now. Great, you got responsibility figured out. You got wisdoms figured out. Okay, that's awesome. Oh yeah, now you got humility figured out because you're not letting giving you're giving into pride. You know, because the child function can be insanely prideful but that pride goes away and the child function usually becomes prideful as a result of the insecurity bleeding into it from the inferior function when it's inversed into its, For the in this example, the INTJ subconscious, where it's like, oh, you know, I, I, I'm really intelligent. I know all about everything because I am TE child, ESFP mode, right? You know, I am the most research, I've put in the most effort, I know what's up, you know? And then like the the superego doesn't buy it, right? So each of these things, if you do not have all these bases covered, you're not gonna be able to integrate the superego and the rest of your mind, which means you're not going to reach integration, you're not going to reach enlightenment, you are going to be left behind, okay? And then you are literally going to be consumed by your superego for the rest of your existence, such that, imagine this, if mankind was immortal, Everyone would have these super egos, and it will basically mean that since people don't have to worry about sleeping, people don't have to worry about pooping, people don't have to worry about you know eating as much anymore because they're immoral, They're basically frozen in time. They're undead, basically. All that extra time that they have, they'll just use the plot against their neighbor, and it literally turns the Earth into a hellhole. It turns it into a slave world. Think about it, Ray Kurzweil the leader of the transhumanist movement, the guy who talks about singularity, talking about immortality via technology. I'm here to tell you folks, immortality via technology is inevitable. It is absolutely inevitable. And it's so inevitable that uh, according to Ray Kurzweil, it's coming this century. He who controls the technology that gives mankind immortal, it will lit, immortality will literally rule this planet because That person is able to solve fear of death. And that fear of death can be used as leverage over anyone who participates in that faux immortality. Oftentimes I even consider from the book of Revelation in the Bible, oh, gotta love all those biblical examples because Chase, you were raised by a pastor, no wonder. Sue me. Book of Revelation talks about the mark of the beast. I often wonder if the mark of the beast is actually people accepting that faux immortality. They literally become slaves because there's always an off switch. And if you don't do what I say, I'm gonna turn off your immortality. Think about that. Better to die on your feet than live as a slave on your knees, right? See, that's the difference. That's kind of what the uh, forefathers had in mind when they set up the Constitution of the United States, but more so actually the Declaration of Independence, right? The Declaration of Independence as a document symbolizes that whole ideology, but it was, and it is the vision. That's the, the brainchild of Benjamin Franklin. The Declaration of Independence is the vision, but the Constitution is the execution of that vision, right? The Constitution would be the NTJ to the Declaration of Independence's NTP. Think about that, right? And it's very pragmatic. Declaration of Independence is all about pragmatism. Has nothing to do with that King George affiliative. That's right, folks, pay attention. Why is it important to integrate? If we do not integrate, then this world will not change and we will be in misery indefinitely. You gotta view life not as this finite thing. You have to view life as this eternal thing, okay? Eternal, this is all eternal, right? There is no like, because why? If the ego exists and the ego represents the why and the unconscious represents the how, for example, then what's the point, right? What's the point for putting all of this complex cognition together and just leave us on our own from like a deist point of view or from a, you know, oh, we manifested ourselves point of view. More on that in a second. It really comes down to like integration is absolutely necessary because it's the only way to solve the human condition. You hear about you hear about the transhumanists, you hear about the New Agers, you hear about Scientology, you hear about the Christians, you hear about the, the Mohammedans, aka the Muslims, you hear about the Mormons, you hear about whatever, you hear about the Buddhists, the Hindus, the whatever ism that exists on this planet. Everyone claiming to have like the ultimate path to God or the ultimate path to the Creator or to enlightenment or ascension or immortality or all of these things, right? You hear people make all these arguments about they have the best way, etc. Which one of them actually solves this problem? Like, seriously, which one actually solves the problem of the superego? See, no one has actually explained how it actually works. This is what bothers me. This is why I can't subscribe to a specific church or a specific belief system, right? Because people don't understand the system. This is the system, okay? Enlightenment is defined by you reaching absolute full integration with all four sides of your mind and all four sides of your mind developed in such a way where you gain the tools, the tools to integrate in your superego. If you try to integrate your superego without humility and without wisdom and without responsibility, AKA order from your other three sides of your mind, you will fail. You will fail. And when you fail, the consequences are disastrous. The consequences can lead to death. Everyone watching this knows just how far human evil can go. We still see it to this day. You don't think slavery is a thing today? You know, apparently some guy just committed suicide who's gonna go down in history uh, as uh, as the greatest human trafficker ever. Apparently his, uh, his uh, uh, human trafficking sex island was uh, raided this morning by the FBI. Uh, you know, who knows? I don't know what the full story is, I just know that, uh, you know, in situations like that, like human evil is definitely a thing. Because there are people out there that view us, AKA the profane, they view us like cattle and they treat us like cattle. They structure our monetary system like we're cattle, are the food we eat, the kibble, like cattle. They regiment our lives like cattle. I mean, look at how soldiers are treated. Look at uh, that speech given by Charlie Chaplin uh, in his uh, speech the, uh, uh, within this movie, uh, The Great Dictator, where he actually spoke, and it was a parody about Hitler. And he gave this great speech that supposedly ended all of war. Basically, he's like, you know, you know, soldiers, don't give yourselves to brutes, to brutes who diet you, who regiment your lives. Right? There's a reason for that. Okay, you know the faster you come to realize that people are treated like cattle in this world, the more you realize that, huh, I'm just a number or I'm just a tag or I'm just a a thing, a little little record in a database. That's literally all you are. You're just a statistic. If you wanna go beyond being a statistic, I suggest you integrate all four sides of your mind and become a great human being, a human being that changes history. Not unlike people like Malcolm X, or Jesus Christ, or John the Baptist, right? There's so many other famous people, even Martin Luther. You know, even though I fundamentally disagree with him in certain areas. Joseph Smith, another person I fundamentally disagree with in certain areas. But the point is, people are capable of so much more if they just integrate all four sides of their mind. It is the path to enlightenment, okay? Because enlightenment is when you're at, peace with all four sides of your mind. Sometimes people are like, you know, hey, I'm like this way, you know, I mean, one side of me agrees with you, but the other side of me is like, yeah, no. When that, when they say that, they're literally referring to the four sides of their mind. That's who they are. That's what they're saying, folks. That's what they're saying. So you gotta integrate. You gotta integrate. So, so how do you reach integration? Again, it's this simple. You just have to find the order, develop that responsibility within the ego through your parent function, develop the wisdom through your critic function, develop humility, develop humility, bring that child to a form of humility and not pride when that child becomes a parent function basically within the within the inverse ego of the subconscious essentially and gain for yourself humility because if you lack humility, you will have pride. How many times, for example, if we've seen INFJs have this God complex, their TI child to cover their insecurity of their performance anxiety from their SE inferior, right? Or look at ENFPs, ESFPs, how many times Do they cover their insecurity of not having enough experience by pretending to be a know-it-all? It's pride. And remember folks, pride comes before the fall because the superego guarantees that they're going to fall because they're prideful. That's how it works. The superego has no respect for the ego. So that's how to reach enlightenment. In a nutshell, that's literally how you reach enlightenment. And that's, those are the tools. You need to extract these tools as a result of developing other sides of the mind such that you can go to the superego. The superego sees, oh, you have humility. Oh, you have order. You have responsibility, AKA order. You have wisdom. Great, I'm ready, okay? But let's talk about how that actually mechanically works. Within cognitive transitions, When you're going into, well, there goes the wand. When you're going into uh, each of the different sides of the mind, you know, you have have the inferior gateway in here and then you have the nemesis nemesis gateway into here. Then you have the demon gateway into here, right? And then you have the, uh, you know, whatever gateway here for the hero, for example. Oh my gosh, those directions kind of look weird. It's like a, you know, I mean, an Oroboros. Wow, uh, more on that later. But the point is, is that you have different gateways going to different sides of your mind. The hero is the first gateway, the inferior is the second gateway, the nemesis is the third gateway, and the demon is the fourth gateway. Well, you can go into a gateway one or two ways. There's two doors, actually. There's two doors. You have a big door, you have a small door. The big door is the negative door. The small door is the positive door. These are doors, okay? And this is the gateway into each of them. Positive, negative charge, basically. Now we're getting to like physics here. Yes, your mind, for these neural pathways that are going through your soul, yes, your soul has neural pathways. That's how it works. I wonder how it's represented in the brain. Maybe we need to talk to Dario Nardi about that and find out. I don't know. But the point is. Positive or negative, okay? It's the, you know, just like like the Bible says, the way is narrow. The narrow way is what we call the orderly way, okay? The orderly way. The big, easy way, the expedient, is the chaotic way. Wait a minute, this is like a yin and yang. Hold on, hold on, a yin and yang. What, really? Chaos versus order? Wait a minute, how does that work, huh? So, when you go into any of your gateway functions, you're going to go into them chaotically, or you're going to go into them in an orderly manner. I would imagine it's a lot mentally harder, more difficult. Gosh, I my grammar is terrible today. For some reason, uh, you can go into your inferior function in an orderly fashion to, you know, get into your subconscious, or you can do it in a chaotic way. What happens when you're going being pushed into your subconscious? Chaotically, Hmm? what happens? Oh, you are insecure. You are afraid, as good old Mr. Kevin Chen, God bless him, said this, quote, fear is the chaos not yet confronted. Oh, love that. Thank you for posting that, Mr. Kevin Chen. That was the dopest. Okay, so, fear, if you're afraid, and your insecure function is so your inferior function, and you're going into your subconscious, okay? You're going into your subconscious, and you're afraid you're gonna go into the chaotic entrance through your inferior function. So, all of this right here, inferior function, okay? Inferior function. Which door are you gonna go in? Are you gonna go in the narrow path, the straight, narrow path, or are you going to go into the chaotic, easy street map path, you know? kind of like that movie I once watched as a child, talking about the prodigal son. Gosh, all these biblical references, you know? I mean, that's what happens when you're raised by a pastor's kid. But think about it. This, um, um, this movie talked about, you know, this guy, he was the prodigal son, you know? It's like, oh, I got, it's all about smart work, not necessarily hard work. Wait a minute. Chaotic order. Is this like the hare, you know? Is this like the tortoise? Wait a minute. The tortoise and the hare. <gasps> Why does that fable keep coming back? Maybe it's just like yin and yang equilibrium everywhere. Maybe expert intuition hero can actually see how all these symbols come together. Oh, but no, Chase. You're actually an ENTJ and you're just afraid to admit it because your entire brain is all set up right on top of being like, you know, an ENTP when we all know you're really an ENTJ, Mr. C.S. Chowstaff. Like, okay, guys. How about you actually present some evidence to the contrary? Oh, but wait, you can't, hmm. So I think we're just going to move forward exactly as we're doing because that's true. As someone pointed out to me in my meetup group yesterday, Mr. C.S. Joseph, like, I do know that your framework is very consistent but you define the cognitive functions different than everybody else. And I'm like, yeah, of course, because they're all wrong. And I'm like the only right person about that. Well, don't you think that's really arrogant to say? I'm like, no, not if I'm right. If I'm actually correct about something, it's not arrogant. Well, that's a matter of opinion. No, it's not because you can actually take the system called the four sides theory and actually use practical application and find out it actually works and it's consistent, which would make me correct and everyone else incorrect. Whereas you look at other people's letter dichotomies, you have one group over here claiming that I'm an ENTJ. You have another group over here using the same four letter dichotomy system that group A is using claiming I'm an ENTJ. Group B over here is claiming that I'm an ENFP, which they're more, they're more consistent claiming I'm an ENFP because this group B is also the same group that claims that people like, like Gary Vaynerchuk and uh, Ty Lopez and the like are actually ENTPs, okay? and they're claiming that I'm an ENFP, and this is group B, right? But group A over there is still thinking that like I'm an ENTJ for some reason. I'd be more inclined to agree with group B, even though I know they're wrong. But at least they have some semblance of consistency there. They're still consistently wrong. Whereas, no offense guys, I'm consistently right. So the point is, for the gateways, We talk about chapter seven of 12 rules for life, right? Do what is meaningful, not expedient. I cannot stress how important that entire concept is. That literally is the fable of the tortoise and the hare. The tortoise or the hare represents talent, raw talent. But that raw talent uncontained leads to chaos. This is like, You know, the martial arts student studying on their master and the master's got a rod and they're constantly hitting the student over and over and over every failure that they ever make, right, wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off, right? Wait a minute, you see what I'm saying? Like it's uncontrolled, it's uncontained, it lacks order. It lacks order, folks. So what does that exactly mean if it lacks order? Well, because it lacks order, the tortoise, well, it's hardworking. It lacks talent, but it's hard working. Maybe human beings are a mixture of the both. Maybe the tortoise and the hare is a yin and yang equilibrium of both. Maybe we need to become more orderly and, you know, bring order to chaos and shed the chaos. Right? Maybe, maybe that's what we should be doing. You ever thought of that? You ever thought of that? Maybe maybe that's what we should be doing. I'm losing my lecternal capabilities, but not my wand. I'm good to go. So, raw talent. Here's another way of looking at the hair. You ever hear the term youth and skill? Ah, that's the hair. What is the tortoise? The tortoise... Is all about hard work. It's the school of hard knocks, basically. The school of hard knocks. It's all about hard work, hard knocks, etc. And uh, nice cactus. Um, That's Larry the cactus. I should probably water him. Uh, Hard work, a straight, narrow path. uh, Also known as age and treachery. Because age and treachery always beats youth and skill. Hard work always beats talent. The tortoise always beats the hare. But no, you want to do the quick route? The quick route is going to, the expedient route, you're going to lose the race. That's why when anytime you use any of your gateway functions, any of your gateway functions whatsoever, when you're integrating, doesn't matter if you're integrating or not, you can go into a gateway function chaotically or you go into a gateway function orderly. So this is what you call a chaotic transition or an orderly transition into one of the sides of your mind. If you're going into your side of the mind chaotically, it's a negative experience, it's where your insecurity is going to come. If you're doing it in your subconscious with your unconscious, it's where your worry is gonna come out and you're doing it because you're worried or you're doing it because you're insecure for your, uh, for your subconscious or for your superego. It comes out demonically very destructive, very chaos, right? It leads to chaos because it's destructive, not constructive. This is why the laws of thermodynamics support all of this because the law of thermodynamics is that the man, the, the everything in the universe is subject to entropy, except our souls, except our souls. Our souls are actually increasing in order over time, provided we do not succumb to the chaos. We have a choice. We have free will. We could choose to have a chaotic transition, or sometimes we can't choose. Sometimes we're forced into a chaotic transition against our will, but still that is because of someone else imposing their will onto us. It's external. It could be from another person or external stimuli from the chaos within nature, for example, of the earth itself. We're gonna talk about that, but it's still chaotic. Every single gateway function has these two doors you can go through. You can be a hare or you can be a tortoise. You can do the chaotic gateway or you can do the orderly gateway. You can take the harder way, the more meaningful way to get a better result or you could take the expedient route and then burn out halfway through, okay? This is the problem. The superego will only accept being integrated as long as you are using into every single gateway for the other three sides of your mind and they are all in tortoise mode. They are all an orderly transition consistently, okay? Guys, this is raw mechanics of psychology right here. You won't hear this anywhere else. You will not hear this anywhere else. This is the raw mechanics of psychology and cognitive development right here. We'll talk more about this later on other subsequent lectures, but I wanted to touch on it here for the sake of this super mega long lecture right now. It's probably gonna be broken up in small pieces as we keep going. Should probably have a stopping point here pretty soon. But. You wanna develop your four sides of your mind? That's how you do it. You gotta watch out for, you know, doing the easy way or doing the hard way. Choose the hard way, guys. Just like that statement, you know, aim high. It's better to aim high and miss than to aim low and hit. Trust me, way better. Way better. Trust me. Aim high. Don't be a hare folks, be the tortoise. Get in that school of hard knocks, put in the effort, right? I know that we talked about school of hard knocks for the unconscious, right? To gain that wisdom because of failure, seek failure. But the concept, if you zoom out a little bit, it's a yin and yang equilibrium between order and chaos. And you have to choose, how am I gonna transition into my other side of mind? Because you could use your free will to go into that other side of the mind and get over your insecurity. You can will yourself or discipline yourself, depending if you're an SI or an NI user, through your gateways and use them as such as you develop your souls. That's how it works mechanically. But you have to make the choice. Sometimes external sources put you in those positions against your will. But if you developed your villain into an ally, aka your nemesis, into an ally function, then your hero and your ally could team up against those external forces and prevent them from putting you into chaotic transition against your will. But then again, sometimes you might have to make the decision to stand up for yourself. Hmm. Or maybe you'd have to be willing to put your life on the line for something, right? Kind of like what they did So many times throughout history. Put your life on the line. So many people that put their lives on the line today for the right causes and the wrong cause, but they believe in the cause, right? Right and wrong has nothing on belief because as far as anywhere as belief is concerned, right and wrong kind of goes out the window. Again, life is not about what is good or bad. Life is not about what is true or false. Life is about what is wise and what is not. There's a reason for that. Awesome. We're really only gotten through the first two bullet points and we're almost at an hour in of it. So remember folks, in order to reach integration and what is the superego for its gateway, to really understand full integration all the way across the board because we have to do that before we go into the super ego and its specific gateway. we have to understand how this works. You have to make sure that you're going towards the chaos and you're going towards the order. Which one are you choosing? Which one should you go in or which one do you want to go in, right? It's all about integration, okay? So, I think, uh, I think this is gonna be a good stopping point. So if you found this lecture useful, helpful, educational, enlightening, please subscribe to the channel uh, and also leave a comment while you're at it. If you have any questions about this, uh, let me know. And hey, by the way, guys, this is only season 17, episode five, part one. I think there might be like two or three parts to this. This is going to be an ongoing lecture, okay? Because the superego is a big deal. No one else is talking about it. No one else understands it. And right now, this community is coming to that understanding. Right now, we're getting to it. You just gotta remember the tortoise and the hare. You gotta remember that there are different gateways, different ways of passing through each of the gateways within your soul for you to be able to integrate your soul and unlock the capability, unlock the right to correctly, meaningfully develop your super ego, folks. It is very, very important. It is very, very key. Don't forget. So uh, with that being said, uh, also like if you like to financially contribute to community, patreon.com forward slash Joseph. become like a gold tier member, there's private lectures. We're actually doing uh, a lot of this uh, related content right now with each of the, uh, the 16 types and how to cognitively develop, how to get them closer to integration, how to get them closer to enlightenment. So we're actually walking each of the individual types through the path to enlightenment uh, and the path to development and maturity and, and wisdom and responsibility, et cetera, to get there. So like definitely like get involved with that I'd really appreciate it. So um, but anyway, folks, With that being said, uh, this is uh, part one or part A, uh, part two or part B, I don't even know what we're gonna call it, I have no clue, uh, is going to uh, start soon. Um, It'll be released uh, probably later this week, uh, so look for it. Um, Again, episode five, is just gonna be like, it's a monster episode multi-part, so we're gonna get down to it, so. Anyway, folks, um, with that being said, I'll see you guys tonight.